Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mastermind.fm. Today, your hosts are, as always, Jean Galea of WP Mare and WP RSS Aggregator, and myself, James Laws of WP Ninjas and Ninja Forms. This particular episode is exciting. We have with us an inter- we're doing an interview with Zach Katz. He is best known for his product called Gravity View. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, you should check it out. Uh, Google it, or it'll be in the show notes. But it is a great product. You should check it out. Uh, and his entrance into the WordPress business space is actually a fun and unique one as well. I mean, while we all come from out as outsiders generally into the WordPress space, he had his own preconceived ideas of how to do business and how to make money and started that process, had some bumps along the way. But in the end, he formed some great partnerships, built some great relationships, uh, some strategic partnerships, and built some great products that are uh, being used widely today. Uh, So we're really excited to hear his perspective, especially his perspective on the WordPress.org repository, which is perhaps not unique, but perhaps not shared publicly enough uh, as to the opportunity that WordPress and the WordPress.org repo has. So we're really excited about this interview. We think you're really going to enjoy it. We also have a giveaway later in the episode, so you'll want to stick around for that. But before we get started with the interview, we just want to take a time to acknowledge one of our sponsors who helped make Mastermind.fm happen each and every week. If you're in the market for a host, listen to this. We're excited to be able to announce that WP Engine, one of the best managed hosting solutions in the WordPress space, has recently become a sponsor of Mastermind.fm. This partnership is an honor for us, and it's a great deal for you. Head over to WPEngine.com and give them a look. Pick any one-year plan and enter the coupon code MASTERMIND at checkout. For our listeners, that means four months free managed WordPress hosting out of your first year with WP Engine. And that's hard to beat. WP Engine is one of the best managed hosting services in the WordPress community. As someone who makes a living in e-commerce, I just can't overstate how critical a solid, reliable hosting service is. WP Engine can be that host for you, and we hope you'll give them a try. Send us an email at podcast at mastermind.fm to let us know about your experience if you sign up with them. You won't be disappointed. Well... Zach, we have with us uh, Zach Katz, uh, who most people probably know you from Gravity View. That's probably your your biggest, highest profile. But before we get into that, because we're going to talk a lot about Gravity View and, and your experience with that, what, why don't you share with, the, with our listeners how you got into development speci- uh, in general and WordPress development specifically? So I started out uh, teaching myself HTML uh, and CSS so that I could build a blogger website and uh, a personal blog back in the day. And I was looking for a job and I decided to start proposing that I redo a website for an inn that I was working at. And one thing led to another and uh, I started developing WordPress websites for customers. And the customer inevitably needed things that they didn't uh, have functionality for at the time. So I ended up building tools for that and like a constant contact signup form widget was my first WordPress widget because there was no constant contact way to dynamically insert a widget. The HTML wasn't output correctly when you copied and pasted it in there. There was no way to dynamically set the ID. So I just kind of learned my way into developing for WordPress and, and I realized how much, how much opportunity there was in WordPress because at the time, it was WordPress 2.5 or even 2.3, and the directory was really underutilized uh, as a way to 
provide solutions that eventually could be monetized. And Gravity Forms was out there and they were doing an amazing job of being a leader in the space of not just contact forms, but WordPress businesses. And they had an affiliate program. And I recognized that there are a lot of people searching for how to do things with Gravity Forms that weren't currently possible. So I took a tool called uh, Uber Suggest, and I said, okay, Gravity Forms, what else are people searching for when they search for Gravity Forms? Well, they were searching for Gravity Forms directory, Gravity Forms Salesforce, Gravity Forms newsletter. And guess what? Those are what I built. And so I built those, I put them for free up on the repo. I added affiliate links and I added ads in the plugins. And I made a lot of money from doing that until the, until the repo changed the rules. I think I was primarily responsible for a lot of those plugin development guidelines <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that ban affiliate links and all this stuff. So it, but it was an amazing opportunity and I was so glad that it existed because it got me, it got me so that I could support myself by being a WordPress developer. And then people started contacting me to develop custom integrations. And I said, okay, I'll do them as long as I can put them on the repo for free. So it really helped us. It was a cycle that was beneficial to everybody. You know, it's interesting that you talk about that because we, we've talked about it in business models and helping people kind of get started was, you know, some of the different ways of getting started is one, you know, kind of figuring out what people are asking for, but also even piggybacking on an already successful product or business that people are already using, they're already really excited about, and why not? you know, build integrations that perhaps that core plugin, that business model has not taken the time to build, whether they don't think it's profitable for one reason or not another, or just they just don't have the time for it. And so as a developer, you're able to kind of come behind a product and say, oh, well, I, I have the time and I can, and I can see that they're building this or that they, that people are asking for this feature. So I can go ahead and build that. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And my first uh, premium plugin was called IDX plus. And uh, there's a real estate plugin out there called DSID Express, and it's for real estate IDX, and it shows real estate listings for houses that are available for sale. And the plugin itself is terrible for SEO. And I had a, I had a friend that said, hey, you know, how, how would I improve the SEO on this, that this plugin outputs? And I said, well, let me take a look. And I talked to another friend, they said, you should monetize this. And I said, okay, I sold that plugin for $600 when I launched it. I had no idea if that would work or not, but it did. You know, I, I recently sold it and I no longer maintain it, but the plugin made $20,000 over the course of its lifetime. And that was for a very specific niche, piggybacking off of a relatively small install base. But there are so many opportunities out there like that, that are established brands that aren't quite doing exactly what you need. And you can really find those opportunities, develop it, and see if it's going to go. Um, you know, I, there's great opportunities out there. Absolutely. So in one of our previous episodes, when we talked about uh, the models, we also spoke about models like the Easy Digital Downloads model, where you get the opportunity to join this kind of club of developers who are designing premium add-ons for EDD 
And in the case of gravity forms, as far as I know, there isn't this kind of structure in place, right? Right. It's just somebody, you just developed it on your own without any help from the gravity forms guys or any sort of interaction beforehand. Uh, that's true. The gravity forms team has been incredible to work with. Uh, you know, if I say I need a hook somewhere, they're happy to add it. And they've been a great team to collaborate with. Um, but when I got started, uh, I didn't even really think about the copyright implications of putting gravity forms plugins on the repo. Um, but they've been really happy to support the ecosystem. They haven't felt threatened in any way. They just want to support and encourage that type of development environment. Right. That's interesting. So on that point, how was the transition between like, did they just kind of realize what you were doing themselves or did you get in touch with them? And what was the process until to this day where you say, as you say, they're being very helpful? Um, I think at one, at some point I got big enough that they kind of noticed me. Uh, um, and then we've been in touch ever since. And I guess you are also providing the affiliate referrals as well. So you could have been noticed in that way. Yeah. So unfortunately, WordPress started cracking down on affiliate links. And I, I think that that's actually harmed the repo because it was a great way for me to make money by actively supporting those plugins. And it encouraged me to keep those plugins up to date because they were providing a steady stream of income. And so I was really taking an active interest in them. And ever since I've been unable to monetize the plugins from the front end of the repo, and I know you can do it in the back end, but that takes a lot of work uh, to really get people on board and maintain that uh, the, the upsell. I think affiliate links were a benefit to the plugin repository in a way. On the point of affiliate links, are they banned also in the kind of readme.txt file or the front end of the .org repo? They are, yes. Well, that's interesting because you can link to other websites. Yeah. So how do they determine if it's an affiliate link or not? And you can link to a page on your own site that then has affiliate links. Um, I really, right. it just really was discouraging for me to, to I didn't want to have to do that. So I didn't end up doing that. Well, I think some too, I think part of the problem with that is there has been abuse, right, of the affiliate link process. So using Gravity Forms as an example, there was a contact form seven add-on or feature. And what they did is in contact form seven, all throughout the UI, they added affiliate links to Gravity Forms to basically upsell people from contact form seven to Gravity Forms. Uh, that was my plugin. Oh, was that yours? <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious! Uh, busted. Um, You've been busted right here on the, on the episode. Yeah. Okay, that was a community service. You're all welcome. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. See, I stumbled upon that from a support ticket that came through. You know, one of our, our support people and. Uh, I ended up getting escalated and I ended up having to log into the admin to do some stuff and I noticed that and that did feel weird to me uh, I, I'll be honest I didn't do it properly oh I've my history with WordPress has been one of evolving ethics and I, I outright acknowledge that I'm really glad that I am where I am today because it took me a long way I was an SEO and I did a lot of SEO work and wordpress.org is a page rank 9 website and has a lot of domain value. And so when I had a snow removal company, I said, hey, I can build you a weather underground 
plugin that is good for this community because I did want to provide value to the WordPress community, but it also I could in include a Denver snow removal link in the wordpress.org readme file and you could get a high value link. That was back when the wordpress.org repo had a do follow, you know, it passed value from that domain to the linked domains. Now they have no, val no follow, mm -hmm. um, so there's no value there anymore. That is to say, I provided value to the community while providing value to my customers, to my clients. And now I'm focused on providing value to my customers only through Gravity View. So it's kind of a transition and uh, my plugin's open source. It's on github.org, you know, or github.com. <laughs> you know, I think it's interesting. So, you know, you talk about how the, the kind of the evolving ethics of being involved in the community as a whole. And I think we're all kind of there, right? I think that's one of the things I love, I really appreciate about the WordPress community. In general, we, while there are factions of the WordPress community that will hold a grudge forever, um, there are other factions, and I would say the majority of the community that's super forgiving and understands that, you know, not everybody knows all of the unwritten rules. Like you said, you may be responsible for some of the plug-in policy guidelines. Um, not everybody knows all the rules. And when, generally speaking, once we know, we all kind of fall in line and try to do our best to, to, to do the agreed-upon uh, standards or ethics of the community. And, and generally speaking, people don't pitchfork and torches uh, don't follow you the rest of your life once you decide, oh, okay, I, I did this and everyone didn't really like it. Cool. I'll move on. Like, that's okay. Yeah. And that was when I was seeing WordPress more of as a tool rather than a community. That was before I went to WordCamps and really got involved. And so once I started doing that, I realized like I was being a jerk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so <laughs> there's, but me being a jerk led to me being building a WordPress uh, company. I am only in WordPress. I'm so grateful that I've been able to build on top of WordPress and contribute to it. Um, so even though I did some things badly in the beginning, hopefully I'm making for it up for them now. Yeah, and you know, you make an an important point too. Though you you found that there was a weakness in the WordPress.org repository for a sales engine, you know, mo most of us use it in some way, uh, at least most of us in the freemium model are using it in some way as a sales mechanism, but it is woefully underprepared for something of that nature when it, and missing the potential of what it could be. But what you determined was there's a weakness and so it drove you into premium products. Right. And I think that the opportunity is there for the WordPress.org repository to become a true marketplace and instantly become the app store of the web. They're currently seeding that ground to Envato uh, for, for philosophical reasons. And I think that's a mistake and that, that the community would be benefited by having a trusted place with a trusted plug and review process that is the place where you can buy the, the premium versions of the plugins. I think that's interesting that you the, the terminology that you use the marketplace of the web uh, when that obviously falls right in line. We've all heard, or at least many of us have heard, Matt Mullenweg talk about wanting WordPress to be the OS, the operating system of the internet. And if you're going to own the OS of the web, why would you not also own the marketplace of the web? 
uh, and, and push that ecosystem even further. Because we all know that WordPress as a business ecosystem is still relatively immature and young in the way that we handle things. But it's growing super, super fast. And that is, you're right, that the .org repository would be an amazing opportunity to have the kind of the stamp of approval of well-vetted plugins, well, uh, you know, going through a strict review process uh, where you can trust that you're getting something that works really well in the WordPress environment. And Matt's stated goal of having 50% of the web running on WordPress Imagine how much easier it would be if they had a marketplace that funded that goal. There, it's, it makes no sense to me to leave that money on the table instead of using it to invest in the ecosystem. Yeah, I think the struggle is, and I've, I've heard this argument a number of times, and we all know, like, running a website isn't cheap. And the problem is, as many people think still to this day, running a WordPress website should be cheap. Because WordPress is free, therefore their website should essentially be free. This is the bad mentality that we have in the WordPress space and community as a whole. Because you do have to buy Gravity Forms or Ninja Forms or this premium SEO product or paid product or Gravity View to throw your, your, your submissions on the front end. And all of this adds up to be what a website should cost. It is cheaper than having it built custom for you, but it is not free. Uh, and I think Matt's argument is getting away from that idea of having to buy you know, a dozen different little things to make your website great. But I, I don't know that we should be shying away from that because I think it is creating a Apple app store mentality that software should be 99 cents. And that's ridiculous. Or software should be completely and totally free of any charge. Uh, I don't think I think that's a dangerous place to put us in. I agree that it's that cheapening what we do is not a great idea. But I also think that not providing a monetization method is even worse. To it's as if Apple didn't allow any paid apps on their app store. That wouldn't make any sense either. So what I'm suggesting is more a um, in-app purchase model like Apple has, the most popular apps now are free. And if you like it, or if you want it to have a premium uh, feature, you pay. There's no way to do that right now without having a whole infrastructure that is on the developer side. Like we as developers need to have that infrastructure and that's tough. And to make it easier for the developer community to build great products, why not take that all that overhead and WordPress.org could say, we will handle the entire transaction cost of that entire process. All you need to do is support the plugin well and get good ratings and provide excellent support for the free version as well. They can have that criteria. And if you do that, then you can be on our marketplace and charge more for extra features. Yeah, for sure. It's a very interesting model that's would be great for WordPress plugins in general. And I mean, the success of Envato really proves the need to have this marketplace and why not have it on the WordPress.org repo, where else? And uh, so now that we've learned a bit about your journey to, to this very day, let's switch back onto your main plugin, which is, I believe, Gravity View, right? And could you tell us a bit more about that, how that plugin is doing? Sure. Uh Gravity View started on the WordPress.org repository as Gravity Forms directory, which is still free there. Um, and it launched July 24th, 2014. To, so it's been just over two years. And 
I'm really excited that Gravity View has sold over $330,000 in those two years. Awesome. Congratulations. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. So I'm just thrilled with the, the sales of Gravity View, and customers are really happy with it. There's been great renewals, and I'm working hard on improving Gravity View Core and eventually moving to the REST API, uh, improving the underlying code structure to make it easier to do things like front-end editing inline instead of having a separate edit form, for example. So I'm really improving the foundation of Gravity View and um, working on providing great support. I brought on Raphael, uh, who's my Gravity View support lead, uh, just over a year ago, and he's been amazing, and he's been top-notch, and customers love working with him, and he's been a huge addition to the team. Awesome. So could you tell us a bit more about how your your structured? Is it you and Raphael working on a plugin at the moment? Yep, it's, it's me and Raphael. Uh, Luis, one of the core developers, uh, has his own business, and his business got too busy, so recently he's had to uh, focus on that. So uh, it's it's me doing development currently and Raphael, and we're also uh, always looking for more developers out there. So if you're interested in working with Gravity View, uh, please shoot me a line at admin at gravityview.co, and I'm really happy to, to hear from developers who are looking to uh, work with us. Nice, and you also mentioned renewals. And I know that you, you've converted to subscriptions, right, recently? We're, recently. we're working on it, not yet, okay. yeah. So the subscription, one of the main pain points of our customers is renewing. And they get, this, they get the email that says renew, and then they like, have to log on. They have to remember the username and password. They do the password reset links. They contact support. It's a big pain. And guess what? It, re it reduces our renewal rate. So... I'm, I'm working on improving that flow and having subscriptions uh, replace the manual renewal process. Right, and are you using something like EDD for selling plugins? Yep, using easy digital downloads with the software licensing and uh, the recurring payments add-on. Nice, and in the, like the pre-show notes that we, we did, you also mentioned a point about improving the admin and how you're a big fan of WP Rocket. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, if you don't, if, if, if you're listening and you don't have a WP Rocket license, uh, it's a caching plugin, it does a great job. So it's, it's worth it just to buy WP Rocket to see their admin because it's really nice. Uh, the, the UI is very pretty. It clearly states what your license is, what the upsell options are. It says, you know, it gives you discount opportunities, tells you how many days till your license renews. It's all very well done, very clear, and it, it provides incentives to take the action that they want you to take, which is to renew your license for extended period of time or to upsell. And Easy Digital Downloads, as much as I love it, it doesn't have quite as good of an admin because it needs to work with every theme, with every you know use case. And I've spent a lot of time making Gravity Views admin better but i really want to simplify the process even more to to go that one step further and be as good as wp rockets so moving on from that one of the things that i admire most about your business and your model is the great marketing that you've done with gravity few uh, in fact i encourage everybody to check out your website and uh, in particular the video 
that you've done, which I found super entertaining. And yeah, the, the, the music that you have stuck with me for a few days when I first listened to it. So could you tell us more about the process that went into that and the whole ideas? Sure. Um, thank you. Uh, the Gravity View video, it's not me. <laughs> uh, everybody thinks that it's me. It's, it's not. It's Jonathan Mann uh, did it. He's Song A Day Man on YouTube and Twitter. And uh, I listened to the Accidental Tech podcast, and which is uh, kind of a Mac-centric podcast. And their theme song is done by him. And it just get, got stuck in my head so badly. And I really loved that song so much that I contacted him and asked him if he'd be willing to create a song for Gravity View. And little did I know that he would also put together a video that was just spectacular. Uh, his creativity level is just off the charts. And uh, I highly recommend anybody interested to, to contact him and ask him to do a, a promotional video for you. Um, he does pay as you like pricing. So you can pay him whatever you're able to pay, which is really neat. And, and I just had him do a, another video for a Gravity View product called Gravity, uh, Math by Gravity View, and it works with Gravity Forms and uh, calculates values across entries and things. Um, and that video is just spectacular as well. So check out Jonathan Mann, he's amazing. So is the new video out yet or do we have to wait for that? New video's not, new video's not quite out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna release it when I launch the uh, Math by Gravity View extension coming soon. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, we have also had some questions come in. In particular, Mark asked asks about your content marketing. I, I know you've done content marketing. So Mark asks, what's been the most effective option? For example, posting regularly on your site's blog, getting reviewed on other blogs, advertising on other blogs, perhaps even conferences in general, or advertising elsewhere. My most successful marketing so far has been pay-per-click. Uh, using Google AdWords. And I focus on uh, solution searches. So if somebody searches for how to do XYZ in Gravity Forms, and it's something that Gravity View does, I advertise for that phrase. Um, I've also done Facebook advertising, uh, which has been okay. Uh, Twitter advertising didn't work for me very well. Um, but I, Twitter in general has been good, but I don't think advertising has been beneficial for me. Um, and then also one of the most successful ads I did was on appleworld.today, which is an Apple news website. Cause I thought, you know what? I, th I bet the Apple community uses WordPress a lot because I, every time I go to WordPress conferences, everybody's using Mac. So uh, I, I created a fun graphic with our mascot popping out of the new Apple spaceship campus. <laughs> and uh, had a promo connected to that with a landing page. And it's still generating clicks today, which is over a year after I run the ad. So I think that was something like $600 for the ad, and the ad has generated $4,000 in sales. So just trying things, thinking outside the box of the narrow WordPress world uh, would be a good good place to start. In terms of content on the website itself, I've not done a great job on that. It's mostly, you know, your standard, you release a version and you do a blog post about it. Um, I just haven't had the bandwidth for that, but I'd definitely love to do that. But pay-per-click um, has been a big driver of sales and pays for itself easily. 
So in, ter in terms of pay-per-click, did you have the experience to do that before starting WordPress or was it something that you dove into and learned as you created the campaigns? I had already done some pay-per-click advertising for clients. And so I'd set up a basic pay-per-click campaign, but then I did bring somebody on to really optimize that and create segments of customers based on what they're looking for. So for example, in Facebook, if you wanted to target uh, education institutions, you can say, you know, target people who are uh, members of a university or a college who are this age and you create a group and then you create an ad specifically for that group and then you create a landing page specifically for that ad and you segment each one of the targets uh, and try to drive sales for that uh, segment. So they did that on Facebook and AdWords and that definitely helped increase the conversion rate and decrease my cost per click uh, because it was more targeted. Right, uh, on the terms again on Google AdWords, one of the reasons perhaps why many WordPress developers are not using it as perhaps there's that, the idea that it's quite challenging and it's quite easy to lose money if you don't know what you're doing. How tough would you, would you rate Google AdWords in terms of starting up and perhaps even some tips on not wasting money in the initial stages? <laughs> yeah, wasting money. I definitely had two days that were terrible. <laughs> I uh, accidentally changed my cost per click uh, setting and... I think it was something like $800 later, I realized what I had done and it was terrible. No, it was a YouTube ad. And I had never, I was just trying out YouTube to see how that would go if I advertised the uh, Gravity View video on YouTube, like would that work? Well, guess what? It didn't work <laughs> and it got shown a lot. <laughs> in terms of getting started in AdWords, it's super, super easy. and. You can start out at whatever level you want. I recommend starting out five bucks a day and, and tweaking your settings until you're comfortable and you're making money on five bucks a day or five bucks a week. It really doesn't matter. Just get started and try it out. Uh, and then once you find a combination that works in terms of keywords and you'll find, you know, I don't want to advertise for somebody searching for gravity view free or gravity view nulled, which is like, you know, without the licensing. So you, you exclude those terms and your cost per click goes down. So try it out. And then once you find a combination that works, increase your budget every week, review the, the statistics and see if it works for you. And, and just right now I'm at an unlimited budget because I know that it works. And there honestly aren't enough clicks out there to have it cost very much. That's interesting. I'm going to, I want to ask you a question just as a follow-up to that. And I am, I am well aware that the answer may be that no, you don't. And so, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Knowing that you have some experience with pay per click, uh, what is do you are you familiar of any good resources, say for listeners who might not know where to get started and don't want to just start completely green, like you know, loading up Google AdWords and looking at this interface and being overwhelmed? Do you know of any uh, resources that might be available? To, to those people to kind of get their get started, get their feet wet. I forget what it's called, but Google has a training program. Okay. It's like a university or something like that. And uh, they have a course that you go in and you learn how to use it properly. So if, if you're like me, you just go in there and you start screwing around with keywords and putting money 
in and seeing how it works. But if you <laughs> if you like reading the documentation first, that's the way to go. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll look that up and uh, try to link that in the show notes. Uh, I have another question on Google. Um, so, is there a point where it's wise to consider getting somebody to manage the campaigns for you rather than continuing to do it yourself? Absolutely. Um, once it pays for itself is when I started doing that. Uh, and unfortunately, the person I was having optimized the campaigns, she got a full-time job um, somewhere else. So I'm, I'm looking for somebody to do that again now. Uh, but one of the things that she set up for me was remarketing campaigns. And I think even fewer people are doing this. And if you visited Gravity View and you didn't buy, and you visited another website with Google ad uh, displays, like display ads, you may have seen a Gravity View ad come up and that's because I have remarketing campaigns set up uh, where if you don't buy Gravity View, it'll show you an ad in the first three days, once a week for like a month. And that has been extremely successful as well. And you just need to create a graphic for that. And that helps capture lost conversions and reminds people of the value that they were about to get when they visited your website. And maybe they got distracted or maybe they didn't think it was the right solution at the time it gives you another chance to make the sale. Uh, you remind me also about abandoned carts. Some plugins exist for that, even for ADD. Have you used something like that? I have, and I'm now using CartHook at carthook.com. And that has been very successful for me. Uh, if somebody starts checking out and they don't complete the checkout process, it sends a string of emails and it sends up to three emails. But one of the things that I am trying to do now is kind of convert all that all those different things into one marketing solution in terms of instead of having card hooks send emails and easy digital downloads send emails all these different services uh connecting to mailchimp i'm trying to have all the emails sent through one um, marketing place and I'm, I'm still working on that but i think i've landed on drip which is getdrip.com and so you have the customer lifetime where they visit your site Maybe they don't buy, maybe they do. Uh, if they do buy, you have customer onboarding, you have the license renewals uh, or the subscription reminders. And if they don't buy, you have the reminders of you know the value of Gravity View. And instead of having all these disparate tools, I want to really narrow it down so that I can focus more on making those emails better, making the customer experience of those emails better, and making it work better for Gravity View customers overall. Yeah, because I think I think the, the thing that we have to remember as product owners or product uh, people is that most of the time, the first time people interact with your brand is not the time that they purchase. And so having a channel, having a place where you can interact with them regularly along the process. So we do the same thing instead of Drip. I, currently, we're using Customer.io and basically, if we do our cart abandonment through that, we do our newsletter through that. When people opt in to give us data through the plugin, that goes into customer IO. All that data helps us then look at different interactions that they're having with us and with our product so that we can, again, it's part of that retargeting is keeping your brand in front of their face so that when they do have that need so pressing, they remember, oh, these guys solve my problem. Th you know, this company takes care of this, and I'm familiar with them. And it actually, what you don't realize is just seeing your brand over and over and over actually subconsciously builds trust. 
because they see it all over the place. They, they, they just think it's, well, this is this, this brand that I have seen, and it is well-established all over. Everywhere I go, I see it. <laughs> and so they just kind of attribute that to trust. Yeah, and one of the challenges with having being a product owner is having the one place where you see your customer on like not you know physically but you get an overview of your customer and their lifetime as your customer and that's one of the things that right now i'm trying to do that with segment.com where you send all the details all the data to segment and segment then distributes it to all the different tools you use but there's always one point of entry in that segment so I'm trying to get a tool so I can look at customer Joe or Jane or whatever and see this person visited the site but didn't buy. Three weeks later, they visited it again. They did buy. They didn't activate the license for another four weeks, but they did, and it didn't happen using the email that they used. It was another email, so they're probably you know a developer instead of they're using it on their own site. And so they have different needs as a developer rather than as the user themselves. And so trying to maybe put them in a developer mailing list and then asking them how I can help support their businesses better. So there's so much opportunity to improve everybody's experience just by being able to see the lifetime of a customer. And what are you, what are you doing, John, in terms of your follow-up and, and uh, process? Oh, I, I've, I, I know I've used a plugin for sales recovery, I think it was, but I didn't see much success with that. But now that I've heard your technique, I, I'm gonna try this again and see how it works. Uh, but we've, we've not, I think marketing is not our strong point at the moment. It's something that we need to improve on in general. That's why maybe I, I like your website and the marketing videos because it's something that I aspire to do with our products as well. Yeah, I think in general, I think that's a, uh, perhaps a weakness of the WordPress ecosystem in general, right? Not not just Jean, not just your company, not just my company. You know, all of WordPress is is fairly behind the curve on good marketing techniques and how to get their product and their brand known and trusted, and how to get people to uh, take that first step into interacting with you, and then that second step, and then that third step. And you know, we're we're all learning, and there are there are definitely some people in the space that are trying to wave that banner and kind of get us all on board and say, you know, you should be spending as much time in your marketing development as you are in your product development. And we don't, you know, let's be honest, most of the most of WordPress companies were started because a developer on their own built something. And then they started selling it. And they're not marketers. They don't know the first thing about that. And so they're 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 kind of wandering around blindly trying to figure this out. Some of us, some are more apt to figure that out, and some end up taking on new people onto their team who just have more of that uh, focus. So it's something we're all growing through, and, and Zach, you're definitely doing a great job of it. And so, yeah, so thanks for some of that insight. We appreciate that. Well, and Brian Cogsgard with Post Status gave a great talk at Pressnomics that said, you know, look out, the big players are coming. Yeah. WordPress is running 25% of the web. It is not going to be like this forever. We need to up our games fast. Absolutely. So we might have developed our own plugins and learned how to market and learned AdWords personally. There are hundreds of million dollar companies out there that are just going to enter and take over. Yep. It's going to happen. So it's just a matter of time. And I think the earlier we we uh, put invest in our own systems, the better. And we got to up our games fast. I agree. Yeah, I think that's probably 
the biggest takeaway of this episode. So I can uh, definitely agree with what you just said there, that we need to up our game in general because the status that WordPress enjoys right now is being threatened and even plugins are being threatened by other commercial solutions. I've, I'm remembering the case, for example, of uh, invoicing systems. I was um, on the post status Slack group actually the other day and I'm, I saw that the author of a plugin for doing invoices with WordPress was saying that what's called FreshBooks was actually bidding on his keywords for for Google AdWords. And obviously, once you have a big company like FreshBooks competing with your small plugin business, that means that you're, you might be in trouble. And that's, that's something that's going to be affecting more and more plugin developers as we go along. And here's the question, you know, FreshBooks has enough money to have one person going around looking for keywords that they could bid on. It's not like FreshBooks, the company said, target this WordPress plugin in particular. They have that bandwidth to do that. Are we bidding on those companies' keywords? I mean, it's free game. We should be doing that kind of thing and, and trying to capture that business. Uh, thinking insularly and thinking inside the WordPress community is a weakness, I believe. And I think if we if we expand our view and realize it's not just WordPress, we're competing against the entire web. We're competing against every SaaS out there uh, and we need to market as such. I think that's where things will be heading. Absolutely. Well, with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and move into our own bonus round. So I think Jean has some softball questions for you uh, that we'll, we'll wrap up <laughs> with. But before we get to those, you know, most podcasts that do these interviews have the, have some of those questions, right? Like favorite tool, favorite book, and we'll, we'll get to those. But before we get to those, I want to ask what I think our listeners care more about, which is uh, some of the bonus questions that we've come up with. So I'm going to start with that, if you don't mind, and put you on the spot. Uh, the first question is, what is the most important piece of advice you would give to someone starting or wanting to start their own business today? Do it. You know, it's easy to think about it. It's easy to dream about it. It takes $35 to register your company with a secretary of state in your state or, you know, internationally. I'm sure it's just as easy. Gets, well, Jean's shaking his head. Well, <laughs> unless you're in Malta, you're all set. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, even if you don't have a registered business, uh, chase your dreams. If you have to stay up a little bit later every night and work on your project, do it and you know give it a shot. It's you'll never not do it. Or you'll never do it if you don't do it. So get started. That's fair. Um, all right. So if you had it to do over again, if you were starting from scratch, knowing all that you know now, what would you do different in your business? I had a good answer for this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would try to have more training in management, in business. Uh, I would have aggressively tried to learn how to do things better. Um, I'm not a good manager myself, so I think I might have brought on a manager earlier. You know, Matt Mullenweg didn't appoint himself CEO of Automatic. He had somebody else do it because he knew that he wasn't good enough. Um, I think similarly... Uh, if I had a mentor or uh, official training, that would have really benefited me uh, to help grow and scale my business and think, you know, a couple steps down the line instead of just hopscotching. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so 
with your business now in its current state now gravity view is 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 fairly successful it's doing really well you're continuing to build on that you have a new product that's getting ready to launch uh, what would you say is the most challenging thing you're facing in your business today it's it's management uh, for me me personally the business is doing well uh, thanks to Raphael and he and I are working really well together um, but finding developers that are consistent to work with, um, managing my own time so that it's best for the business at all times. It's really a struggle to, uh, to, to manage all the different balls that are in the air. Like, okay, so you want to do marketing. Coming up with a schedule for marketing and a calendar for marketing and plans and all that stuff, that takes a lot of mental energy. So that takes you off in one direction, but hey, you've still got to develop a plugin, keep on top of all your different you know, milestones, uh, make sure your support is still going well. So all the different threads of a business is really challenging. Absolutely. And uh, I, you know, I appreciate where you're at, right? You're, you're at this place where you have a, a successful product, another one about to launch, you're expanding your team, and all that that entails can be challenging, especially if you've not had to face it before. So uh, obviously, wish you the best of luck. And maybe there will be some more insights on mastermind.fm that'll help you along the way. Uh, with that in mind, what would you say is your the most exciting thing about your business right now? What are you most excited about? that it's doing really well. I mean, customers have a real need for it. And I'm excited that they're happy with the current plugin because I have really way more plans than what it currently does. So I'm excited about the future of that and uh, and meeting their their needs in the future. Like it's, it's great that it does so much with what I think is not good enough. It's not good enough yet. And I think it will never be good enough. And I'm excited about that. I think that's fair. I think if you have a product and you think it's good enough, you've not looked at your product critically <laughs> enough and have not listened to your customers critically enough to know. So that that's awesome to hear. With that in mind, I'm going to pass it back over to Jean for a, a few of, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to belittle your questions as softball questions because some people really do want to know this information. So with that, Jean. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> so here it goes. People can vote on which questions that they prefer most after <laughs> so <laughs> that's a shortcoming <laughs> so jack what's the your favorite tool that you might not have heard of i mean we're all using a lot of common software like help scout and all that but is there some tool that you think our audience can benefit from and maybe it's not so commonly used might not have heard of i don't know um one tool that i'm using to try to visually organize my uh, tickets is waffle.io and it's similar to Zen. I haven't heard of that. It's similar to Zen hub um, where it's like a Trello board for your GitHub issues. And I'm a kind of visual person. So I like to see, you know, what's in the backlog, what's up, like what's currently being worked on and waffle.io is free. It integrates with GitHub really well and it allows you to drag and drop issues from being worked on to done. You can easily, add get commit messages uh, that update the statuses. Uh, so waffle.io, I think, would be one of those tools. Nice. And so you spoke also about the, your desire to, to maybe have known more about the kind of business side of things before starting out. And with that in mind, would you recommend any favorite book? You've, you're showing me one right there, uh, I'm, <laughs> which I haven't I'm heard of. Reading... So. I'm currently reading Sprint, How to Solve Big Problems and Test New Ideas in Just Five Days. And it's by somebody from Google Ventures. 
and I love this book. Um, I'm halfway through. Of course, I stopped reading it because I got excited. <laughs> had to start putting it into practice before I knew everything about it. So uh, that's, <laughs> but in terms of like planning the pro the process of, of thinking big, it's a great way to kind of break it down into steps that they have proven to work. And I just love all the different ideas that they've pro proposed. They have nice drawings that illustrate how to actually do them when you're, when you're, uh, when you're doing it yourself. So sprint how to solve big ideas and test new ideas in just five days. Nice. And I love that you mentioned that you actually stopped to implement these ideas that you're learning about. So one thing I've realized is that I've read too many books probably every year, but I don't remember anything most <laughs> of what I read. So I'm, I'm actually going to start doing an effort of reading less, but maybe rereading books and actually taking the time maybe summarize each book I read or actually implement concrete stuff that I learn about and make sure that for each book I read, I know that I've implemented a set number of things. Well, why not have Jean's book club section of Mastermind <laughs> FM podcast? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I like it. That is, that's actually, you know, a struggle for me with books is, you know, I love the information that I get out of them, but it, it, I have friends who do that. They'll read like, you know, 20 books a year. And I'm like, how do you possibly implement all that information? You're just, it's just in one ear and out the other, so to speak, or, you know, like in your head and out and gone. Like, how do you retain it if you can't apply it? And I just don't think there's any possible way to apply 10 to 20 books a year uh, other than to say, good read, throw it aside and move on to the next one. Uh, I'm reading, you know, I, I recently I read this the book and some of you may be familiar with it, Traction. And, you know, there's so much information if you wanted to sit down and talk about what is the operating system of a business to make it run smoothly and be a well-oiled machine. That, that, that book alone could take three years to implement everything in it fully. Uh, and so I just don't understand these, the people who can read so much information uh, and, and think it and do anything with it. I just don't get it. It's hard to find books that are designed for our size businesses or small businesses, like small, small, as in one person businesses, uh, where it's, it's like come up with a business plan and come up with a marketing plan, fill out this easy forum of 15 pages where you have to think in detail about your business from every angle. That's not realistic for me. And so when I see that, I stop reading and I go to the next book because I know that I'm not going to implement that stuff. Yeah, and, and, and that's fair. I think there are books that are ready for your season of life. You know, for us as a team of eight, uh, you know, a book like Traction is a good starting point for us to think through our processes and what it, what that looks like. But right, for a team of one or two, I mean, there are some things in that book you might want to implement and there's other things that you might just pass right over because you're just not at that stage of your business yet. And that's totally acceptable. Yeah, I was just going to mention that as I was reading one book that pointed out that just a couple of hundred years ago, people who would be super rich would be lucky to have three books and that we have currently probably read many more books than famous philosophers and uh, big famous people of a few centuries ago. So it's not that we don't have access to this information, it's just that we are just overloaded with kind of information that we're not implementing. And that's our probably biggest weakness in this big marketing machine that's become uh, bookstores and the whole environment today. So if we can minimize but implement more of what we learn, I'm sure that we could do a better job at our business. And speaking about business again, 
Uh, I wanted to ask my last question, which is, what's your favorite conference? Uh, Pressnomics has been my favorite conference. I've gone to it uh, two times so far, and it's it's great in that the second time I went, I felt a lot more comfortable because a lot of the same people were there, and I got to all, I already knew them, I was familiar and comfortable with them, and I love talking business, and I love talking about methods, and I love talking about all this stuff, and Pressnomics is really, everybody there has a business and has a business they want to nurture. And I found it a great community. Yeah, I can actually second that. I met you, Zach, there this year at this year's Prisonomics, and I even had the chance to meet James face-to-face for the first time there. And there were just so many incredible people all talking about business for two or three days, which was amazing. Yeah, definitely a... uh... Uh, plus one on that as well. I uh, loved, love Pressnomics. Uh, another, you know, just to kind of throw it out there, another conference that's a little more exclusive, it's a little more expensive, it's a little harder to get to. If you get the opportunity to do it, though, I would highly recommend it, If you even if you can only do it once, uh, is Cabo Press. Uh, Chris Lemma puts it on every year. He basically takes a group of people to Mexico, and it's a, it's a kind of the same kind of it's actually a little more intensive in the sense of instead of sessions that you're sitting through, you're just in circles of people, business people with a kind of a mentor or a coach over a topic. And you're just spinning around ideas, talking about that topic and getting insight from somebody who's been there and already done what you're working on. It's a lot of fun. So you spend a half a day doing that. And then you have meals with different people in the, in different groups and kind of cycle around. And then you have the afternoons to yourself if you want to either talk more business or just enjoy Mexico, which it's, it's a beautiful area. So uh, just kind of a shout out. If you've never had an opportunity to do that, uh, look for those, uh, look for the, look for the opportunity because it's a, it's a pretty cool event. And when's that held, James? It's different times each year. This year it's in November. It's the week before Thanksgiving. Uh, so we'll be, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's for this year. I don't know next year when it'll be and, but it's definitely a cool event if you get the opportunity to go. Yeah, that, those were all my questions. So with that, I think we can close off the episode and thank Zach for the wonderful insights that he shared with us today. Thank you, thank you. And we'll have to have you on again sometime. Well, thank you both. I've enjoyed being here. Well, all right, everyone. That was our interview with Zach Katz. We hope you enjoyed it. Jean and I certainly did. Uh, there was a lot of great information uh, that we covered and a lot of information that we didn't get a chance to. So we're excited to perhaps have Zach on into the future so we can discuss this, as well as excited about having other people in the business uh, space come and be a guest on our show and talk about what they're working, the challenges that they're facing, and how they've overcome them. Uh, as always, we would love your feedback. So if you get a chance, head on over to iTunes and leave Leave us a review. While we love five-star reviews, we like any review that will help us make our episodes better for you, our listeners. So just head on over there and leave us a review. We love getting feedback, and we will love to read your feedback on a future episode as well. If you'd like to ask us questions or have a topic covered on Mastermind.fm that we have not touched on yet, please uh, send us an email at podcast at Mastermind.fm or head on over to Mastermind.fm and just simply fill out our submit a question form. We'd love to hear from you uh, and always love taking listener questions and even uh, basing some of our future episodes around those ideas. So please let us know if you have any ideas. If you would like to contact us outside of mastermind.fm, you can contact Jean at Jean Galea on Twitter and his website, jeangalea.com, or myself at James Laws on Twitter or jameslaws.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time at mastermind.fm.